Welcome to Criterium Nation, where we explore life lived one corner at a time. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Today's episode is How It Would Have Happened. And frankly, it's a bit different from the shows we've put out in the past. Rather than a long-form interview, today we take a deep dive into the 2020 crit season that we all wish would have happened differently. In the show, we name who we think would have won the biggest titles of the year, from USA Cycling's national championships to the overall at USA Crits. But along the way, we figure out what are the events that have become the monuments of Criterium Racing. So it's jam-packed with content and potential controversy. Speaking of content, this show is a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows, the world's only collection of top-tier independent cycling content. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com to see the full lineup of shows. We really do have something for everyone, from gravel racing with the Grodio, to bike tech at Bike Shop CX, to training advice with the Consman Athlete, to three idiots who are usually wrong on the Slow Ride podcast, and so much more. While you're there, please do click on the donate button and help support this creator-owned network by giving to the shows and people you've come to trust for the best in cycling podcasting. And speaking of clicking, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else that you get your podcast from. And if you really like what you hear, please leave us a review. It'll help others find out about the show, and we'll really absolutely love you for it. So without further ado, let's find out how it would have happened. We've entered some kind of uncharted territory here. This episode is certainly unlike any that we've done before here. First off, we're recording outside. We have a a live studio audience right here with us. And most importantly of them all, I am joined by a co-host today, Internet Frank. Frank Cundiff from Project Echelon. How is it going today, Frank? It's going pretty great. It's going great. Yes, Frank and I are doing a show. And for those of you that don't know our history, uh, our storied history, as a matter of fact, if you look up the term frenemies or rivals in the Criterium Dictionary, I am confident you're going to see Frank's and my respective road results pages. I'm not going to 100% admit this, but I definitely have dug pretty deep in some races to make sure that I didn't get dropped when Frank was there. And it's not a stretch of the imagination to say that I have pulled back plenty of breaks that Frank has been in for no good reason. I'd also like to point out that at one point, Rob and I were also teammates. And I think we were doing the same thing then, too. We were. But honestly, Frank, I can't think of a better person to share the microphone talking about crits than with you. How excited are you about talking Criterium Racing? I'm I'm extremely excited. You know, I I have really genuinely loved Criterium Racing. I have a relatively short attention span and and crit racing tends to scratch that itch. And 
it's exciting and it's the chess match side of it that really I, I really enjoy. Before we get too deep into the program, I want to pause for a hot second here and, and explain how we got here. How we've gone from Marlboro Radio to No Training Wheels and now to Criterium Nation. It has been an evolution. Where we are now is where we're always are gonna go. This is my natural state, Criterium Racing. I love all the other types of road racing. When it comes down to it, if I've got a choice between going to a three-day Criterium series or going to a three-day stage race, I'm going to pick that crit series nine times out of ten. It's exciting. It's in the places that I want to go, or it's in places that I didn't know I want to go until I got there. And it's just, that's where my friends are. That's where the people I love to watch are. That's the style of racing that I really enjoy. The best definition I've ever heard of crit racing, and I don't even know who told me this, professional crit racing is the working class professional bike racing. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about here. Now, crit racing is not unique to the United States. We do more of it than anybody else does. Uh, I saw a statistic recently where 52% of all of the road races in the United States are criteriums. 54% of the racer days in the United States for road are criteriums. Our friends to the north in Canada, they've got a vibrant criterium scene. I know that there's folks in England who, who love it and Australians come over here to race it. And one of the best crit racers in the country right now is a, is a New Zealander. She's a Kiwi. And so we've got this community of people who like to test the limits of themselves. They like to test the limits of vertigo sometimes by racing at night and racing in between streetlights, basically. It is what bike racing should be. But I need to turn to you, Frank, because I need help answering the question. I fear that I'm too close to this forest to see the trees. And maybe you, as a neutral bystander who is equally invested in the sport, let's be very honest, can answer this simple question. Why crits? I had a coach uh, a couple years ago, Nathaniel Ward. He uh, raced on Smart Stop. He asked me that exact same question. I will never forget it. It was, I think, two years ago, maybe three years ago. I went out with Ben Frederick, um, which I think most bike racers in the U.S. know who Ben is at this point. Now, uh, now the dirt Ben Frederick. Or not. Or not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We did the Mass Sky Loop, which is for Virginians and, and Mabra Inns. It's, it's 70 miles with 7,000 feet of climbing, and I felt great. We did it late August, and I crushed it. Just great numbers. And as a coach, he asked me, he said, Frank, are you sure you want to race crits? Because these are, these are elite-level road race numbers that you're doing, and I really think you have a future there. And I said, yeah. I have a short attention span and I get bored with, with longer races. Um, and crits keep you engaged. They're exciting all the way through from start to finish. There is never a dull moment in a crit. And I, I thrive off that excitement. And I, that's what I think Americans thrive off that excitement. It's, it's why we, we, we like things like short impactful races. The interesting thing about, Criterium racing 
in my experience is that everybody gets dropped eventually along a long enough line you're going to make a mistake and you're going to get dropped and do you remember the first time in a crit you got dropped so the very first bike race i ever did was in virginia beach and it was the bare bones criterium and it was a training crit by the virginia beach amphitheater put on by dan netzer and it was a, an open race that is cat one through cat five. Everyone jump in. It was a weeknight race, six miles from my house. I had just bought a bike, uh, come back from a deployment, rode down to the race, and uh, everyone's talking about this Mike Stoop guy. Um, if you don't know him, look him up. I got dropped in four minutes, lap two. Never forget it. The second race I did got dropped on lap eight. And, and those, that was the first time, my first race ever and the first time I got dropped. My very first race in Chicago, I don't remember even what the name of it was, but I knew it was put on by Athletes by Design, ABD, famous team from the Chicago suburbs. I somehow was promoted to a Cat 4 before ever trying a race. And I get there for the Cat 5 race, and I watch them do the thing, and I'm like, I can do this. This is totally easy. I've been killing it on the group rides. And I got into the race, and I think within five laps, I heard myself saying, oh, I'm just going to float slightly off the back because that way I can really corner well. That was the end of it. And it must have been six, seven races after that that I finally finished my first race, which was U-City the last day of Gateway Cup when they used to have it go through like an alleyway and then up like this, what used to be a cobbled street, but they just paved it over without bothering to worry about the cobbles. So it's just like pavement cobble. That was the first race that I had ever finished. But yet here it is, almost 20 years later, and I still can't get enough of it. Do you think that it'll ever get boring to you? No. Conversely, the first Cat 5 race, Cat 5 only race I did, uh, was the Snowball Criterium in Chesapeake, put on by uh, an old legend in the Virginia area, Bill Collins, uh, myself and uh, an old teammate and shipmate of mine in the Navy, a uh, guy named Justin Leopold, him my, and myself and one other guy lapped the field. Very first Criterium I ever did. And I was like, oh, I got this. This is great. And we kind of went back and forth like that up through the ranks until we got to the one, two, three races as a cat three, I jump in and I'm like going to ride away from these guys. I will, I will say, and this was 2011. It was a different animal. I got dropped within, you know, three or four laps. i tried to attack off the front. Like I'm going to lap the field and, and the DC Velos and the Mike stoops of the, of the mid Atlantic racing area were like, this this poor poor fellow and you know i got dropped in 15 minutes but at the end of the day it was it was still exciting and you know last year you know i didn't have the best season a uh, new job and and new team and everything you know my fitness waned and i don't think i finished a a professional crit last year to be completely blunt just didn't have it in me but at the end of the day i was still chugging beers at Tulsa Tough up Crybaby Hill and still high-fiving fans at Athens Twilight and still uh, handing out water bottles at Armed Forces Cycling Classic. And so, you know, it's 
whether I'm doing well or not, every criterion is just insane and they're all uh, a party on, on wheels and they're every single one of them is just exciting and fun to be at. And no, I don't think they'll ever get old. So both of us have gone in way over our head numerous times in crit racing. <laughs> um, I can think of very specifically Westchester last year. Both of us had very early exits to that particular race, but there is a unique difference between even your local or regional championship, let's say your Mabra crit championship, and one of these USA crits races or, you know, a Armed Forces Cycling Classic or even like Intelligentsia Cup, where it draws the best people from not just the region, but the entire nation. What is that difference, do you think? I mean, is it just the horsepower? Is it the number of people that can put out the power? I, I think it's a couple things, right? Like I the the way I look at criteriums, when I look at quality of race, uh, is based on on a, a few things. And going from local to regional to national, a lot of it is number of participants, payout, and and who is drawn to it. And and the you know, the intelligentsias and the tour of America's Dairylands, those big crit series, the Gateway Cups and the Speed Weeks, you know, those are low impact races when it comes to financial impact, right? So it's, you get a lot of racing for a small travel budget. And so, and there's good purses there. And so those races sell out. You, you know, I've never seen outside of Speed Week or Intelli or, or Toad where a Tuesday race, a Cat 2-3 has 125 people or even the Pro 1 has 100 people and it's the best crit racers in the country. And looking at the speeds of the races, you know, a local race is 26 to 27 for a, an hour crit. Uh, a regional race, an, an Intelli race is 27 to 28 for an hour to 90 minute crit. And then you're your top tier PRT or, or USA crits races, those big staple pro crits, the Athens, the armed forces, the, the sunny King, the Winston Salem, those big staple pro crits. Those are, those are averaging 29 to 31. I mean, I, I didn't do Boise twilight last year. Um, I, I skipped it, uh, because of work, but the fastest lap was 42 miles an hour. That's insane. Absolute. I've, I don't, it, that's two minutes at 42 miles an hour. I have no idea how that's capable, how people are capable of doing that. So we'll take a quick break here and we will come right back to talk about the monuments of Criterium Racing. probably heard me talk about Source Endurance before on this show. It's an endurance athletics coaching company with professional coaches located all over the country, including my very own coach, Zach Allison, and my nutritionist, Kristen Arnold. I've worked with Source Endurance for close to 10 years now, through all the various stages of my bike racing life. And to say I'm a satisfied athlete is an understatement. 
What I love about working with Source Endurance is that I know all the coaches and professionals there have both real world and educational training. That includes dedicated higher education degrees and coursework in kinesiology, exercise science, and nutrition. But more, they aren't just coaching from a textbook. They've been a part of this sport for years or even decades and know their way around the pointy end of the peloton and can give me real advice on tactics and strategy that are so critical. Back in the old days, pre-COVID, I used to travel for work a lot and my training plans had to be continuously tweaked and updated. So a cookie cutter internet training plan, that wasn't gonna work for me. Zach and I talk regularly, we adjust things seamlessly as all of life's challenges rise and fall so that knowing what I need to do in my training is the least stressful part of my life. And the science-based results are real. I'm 41 and I'm still able to race and ride with the best 20-year-old crit racers out there. Despite having a full-time career as a lawyer, a family, and all the trimmings that come with those blessings. But more importantly, I still love training. And thanks to Kristen and her help with mastering the kitchen table, I am way healthier than I was when I was trying to make the Olympics as a swimmer in 2000. Now I want you to give Source Endurance a shot as well. So go to sourced.net, that's S-O-U-R-C-E hyphen E dot net to see all about their services and offerings. And when you find what you're looking for, use the promo code CRITERIUMNATION at checkout for $50 off. That's sourced.net and the promo code CRITERIUMNATION, all one word, all lowercase, for $50 off. And now, lap two. We are all very familiar with the monuments of cycling, the five races that make or break a pro bike racers or a world tour level bike racers career. Milan, San Remo, Flanders, Paris, Roubaix, Liège, Bastogne, Liège, and Lombardy. Now we've seen efforts to add Strada, Bianchi, or the Japan Cup, you know, to that list. One of these days, maybe. But those are the five races that can make a classics rider. Why don't we have that for crits? I've scoured the internet. I've looked through all the Googles, and I can't find a definitive list of American or Canadian, so North American crits, that make or break a crit racer's life. So here's our task, Frank. We're going to make that list. Right here, right now, we're going to make the essential crits list. We're going to call it the crit essentials. So the way that this draft is going to go is that we're going to take we're going to take turns. In the first round, you can go first. In the second round, I'll go first. That way it's totally even. If you happen to pick the race that I'm going to pick, well, I'm going to have to come up with a new one because we need 10 unique races. So Frank, what is your first crit essential race? So my first crit essential race and I will 100% admit I did not race it last year, and I it is my number one regret for bike race season. Uh, and I was really hoping that uh, we'd have a race season this year. We don't. But next year, I'm hearing, well, it's not even a rumor. It's official that not only will it be back, but it will have a friend with it, Salt Lake City Criterium. 
That's a tough one to start with. I don't know if I can meet that, but I'm going to try really, really hard. We know that these crits can't all be bad-ass climbing crits. They can't all be the toughest crits. Some of them have to be the crits for the sprinters. And I'm going to go down that direction with my first pick. I think, literally speaking, once you get up to speed in this particular race, you do not need to pedal. If you want to win this race, however, you need to throw down the maddest watts that you've ever thrown down. Everybody knows Gateway Cup is a huge favorite of mine. Four days of racing in St. Louis over Labor Day weekend, but I can't just pick all four days. The second and fourth days have changed throughout the course of time. But since the beginning of my time in bike racing, the first night, Lafayette Park, and the third day, the hill, have always been there. Now, a lot of people are going to say the hill's the big one. I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to go with Lafayette Park. Really? Oh, yeah. At night, in front of some of the nicest, wealthiest, richest houses in all of St. Louis, we throw down like nobody's business, and it's just a party. You know what my fear about siding with you on this for that race is that Ashley Trevieso is going to 100% share this on Facebook, but in the Cat 2 race... I went off the front with one to go while tail gunning the entire race. And Frankie Andreu is on a hot mic on the live stream going, wait a second, how'd Frank Cundiff get up here? He shouldn't be up here or something along those lines. But it goes exactly to what you're saying. How did it end up for you that day? Um, We got caught and I finished in the pack. Oh no, actually, no, I didn't. I stand corrected. That was two to go. Coming around 4-1 to go, I got caught, and someone dropped their chain going into turn one, and I ran into the back of them. I will. And that got caught on live stream, and it was a great moment. That wasn't embarrassing You totally at all. didn't crash in front of my wife. Totally. No, no, not at all. Not at all. She okay. didn't run out and say, are you okay? And I wasn't embarrassed turning red saying, yeah, I'm great, and riding off. <laughs> so round, round <laughs> two here. Round two. All right. So uh, it's my turn now, and I'm going to go with what could be considered the granddaddy of them all, Athens Twilight. Oh, see, I was, I... I know a lot of people are going to go tour of Somerville as the granddaddy of them all, but Athens is 40 years of history. It is the biggest party in the state of Georgia that happens every year, and that's bigger than SEC football. Agreed, agreed. And it's the race that people want to win more than most during the calendar year. Going back to the four days of Gateway Cup, I think it's one of the most exciting criteriums to race. And it is one of those where I've raced it three years in a row and to this and go and pre-ride it during Gateway Cup because I, I stay on the course and still get lost on it. And that is Benton Park because it is, I don't, what, two miles with 14 turns and it's around the Anheuser-Busch Brewery and it's one of those where mid-race, I've done 10 laps of this course and I go, oh, it's a right turn, not a left, my bad. But it is one of the most exciting bike races, one of the most exciting crits to actually race and it always ends up being a crit racer's crit. 
where you not only have to be able to put down the power, but you have to know how to turn your bike and you know, have to know how to position. Oh, I tailgunned the living heck out of that race last year. And some guy came up to me and tried to get like in line with me. And I'm, I look at him and I said, no, look at what we're doing here. Watch the six of us back here. We are using no energy at all. And it's a, always a hot, hot, hot day. Yep. And it's the last day of four. So I think that's a really legit choice there. I race it opposite of you where I start at the front and I race my until my eyes are bleeding and my lungs are screaming at the front because I know a breakaway is going to go and I'm going to be up there because it's one of those where it's not an attack that draws out the break, right? It's it's Joe Schmo who thinks he's the best guy out there goes into a turn too hot and opens up that gap because he's got to lock up the brakes at the apex and now there's a 10 bike length gap before the next turn and those those seven dudes are gone. You're not catching them. So, Frank, round number three, your choice. It is been around, and I know the race director will shoot me for this, but I can't remember the exact thing. It's 22 years now, maybe 24, but I think it's one of the staple races. World Tour teams have raced this. It's technical, it's long, and it is one of the few criteriums that have a feed zone Clarendon Cup for Armed Forces Cycling Classic. That is that's a that's a solid choice. The race of 500 turns in the men's field. So a hundred kilometer crit for the men, a 50k crit for the women. Middle of the day, it is early June typically in Virginia, which means it is ungodly hot. Triple digit heat index, high humidity, and it's one of those where you're your mid race, you know, the, the men's race usually ends up being about two hours. The women's race about 90 minutes, um, hour 15. Um, and in the men's race, you're handing out ice socks and water bottles to crit racers who are make coming out of a turn and doing 28 to 34 miles an hour on a false flat downhill. And yeah, it's, it's insane. That's, that's the part that boggles my mind. The feed zone, quote unquote, is on one of the shortest straightaways of of a course <laughs> <laughs> and downhill. And downhill, yeah. And so like you're going to miss 9 times out of 10 you're going to miss your exchange. And like there's a there's a cast of people running after water bottles as they roll down that falls flat. I have been part of that cast many times. But also, if you miss your water bottle, you're going to see the the feed zone 90 seconds later. So, yeah. You know, it is what it is. And it's a great TV coverage. It is. It is great. Um, Frankie and Jerry and Brad Soner and Rob Wayborn is the team, the race director. They they do a great job with that race. And it is one of those. It was all. It's always been well attended. I think it's better attended now. It used to um, conflict with Tulsa Tough, and recently they have deconflicted. And if you have not made it to Armed Forces, it's it's seriously. It's one of the greatest races you will ever race and watch so frank do you have a passport i do we're going to canada for my choice in the third round gastown criterium vancouver british columbia it is the only crit that i can think of that races around a statue called gassy jack <laughs> agreed and you know i will say um when when i was with levine law group uh, for Speed Week, we had Ryan Aitchison and Adam Meyerson guest riding for us. 
and Ryan, uh, he lives there, and and they race it every year. Um, his girlfriend, his significant other, Sarah, races it. Um, Ryan doesn't race crits anymore. He rides mountain bikes and camps, from what I see on Instagram, which I can't not be jealous of. It's beautiful up there. Uh, but they they swear by all of BC Super Week, and Gastown is the queen stage of BC Super Week. It's in downtown Vancouver. Right. It is in a part of town that it looks like what you would imagine a port town would look like, and they they go crazy there. They absolutely go crazy there, and I'm really glad that's on the list. It's been around for 45 years. That is a staple of bike racing. And it has a ton of money in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never seen preems and and a prize purse like there is at Gastown. Okay, so your turn. Round number three. We're halfway. All right. You know, I'm going to go with a race that has a an older brother that always shadows it, and therefore it's like the uh, redheaded stepchild, if you will, of its series because it's always the day before its older brother, and therefore no one cares about it, but Spartanburg. Spartanburg is one of the greatest criteriums out there, and it's so underappreciated because it's always right before Athens, and everyone focuses on Athens. But Spartanburg is one of the only races where, uh, side note, I had asthma as a child. And two years ago, we were 20 minutes into Spartanburg, we were averaging 31 miles an hour, and I had an asthma attack and had to go get an inhaler. I pulled out of the race, laid on the sidewalk. My heart rate wouldn't come down. I was hyperventilating and had to, like, it's that insane of a bike race where it triggered childhood asthma in a 35-year-old. I don't even know what to say to that, <laughs> except round four, you go first here. Okay. I'm, you know, you called Athens the granddaddy of crit racing and you referenced this one, Oh, okay. but it has been around forever and it is the sprinter's paradise. It is the only criterium where uh, I have heard referenced and DJ Brew, a local Mabra sprinter, phenom, amazing guy, just terrific person, raced it and his description of the final lap was I came out of the final turn and with like 300 meters to go, I started my sprint and I felt amazing. It's a false flat uphill and I was crushing it. And I looked to my left and there were 30 other people doing the exact same people as me or doing the exact same thing as me. And that is Somerville. Can't go wrong with the oldest or the longest running bike race in the country. Side note. Somerville, New Jersey has a law on the books that allows open container for the bike race. So my turn here in round number four. And this one's going to be controversial. I know it's going to be controversial because we're going to the middle of the country and I'm not going to pick the race that everybody thinks that I need to pick. So we're going to Tulsa. Tulsa Tough, one of the best crit series in the country. And everybody's going to assume that I'm going with Crybaby Hill, the Riverside Park race. I'm not. I'm going Blue Dome. Really? I'm going Blue Dome, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. How many races do you know finish with fireworks? True. Literal fireworks. True. The first night of Tulsa Tough is 
excitement. It is electrifying. It is under the lights and the moves that you have to make in order to win that race. I literally saw Brad Huff get completely shoulder checked by somebody and he didn't flinch. And I brought it up to him and he didn't even remember it. Like everybody in the audience was freaking out because somebody had, you know, shoulder checked him and he's like, I'm I'm not moving. I'm not even touching it. So I'm going with Blue Dome. You know, I will 100% admit, so living here in the D.C. area and with Tulsa Tough and and Armed Forces conflicting for so long, I never did Tulsa until last year. And I made it a point. I flew out to Tulsa and everyone said, Athens is amazing, but Tulsa just dwarfs it. It's insane. The entire city gets around it. And... I will 100% admit, I did not appreciate the crowds there until I was there. And the way the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma gets behind that race series to where the city hashtag is take Monday off or Monday's a holiday. Like it is, it is insane. The entire community, not just the bike racing community, the entire community is there for that, that race weekend and for that bike race. And it is 150% one of the most astounding crit weekends ever. Final round here. I get to go first. I'm very excited about this because this has not been picked yet. And so we've been a little heavy East Coast bias, a little bit, I think. So I'm going West Coast here with a race that is described as part carnival part Madhouse, part Thunderdome. 21 years running. I'm not exactly sure if we know the correct pronunciation for it. San Rafael Twilight Criterium. You know what, Rob? This is insane because San Rafael was my pick as well. I There's no argument here. I agree with you 100%. It is, uh, I will admit, I've never raced it because I, it's hard for me to get out to the West Coast Uh due to to work but i mean it's i've never heard anything bad in the live streams and the and watching it is just it's watching the usa crits live stream of san rafael last year made me bookmark that in my work calendar to take that weekend off take that week off and go out to california this year for that race okay well you've got the hard job here coming up with the 10th one this is tough because there's a lot of honorable mentions here. There's 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 so many good races out there and I I feel bad because I'm not picking uh an Intelligentsia race or a Tour of America's it's Dairyland race because I mean that's 21 races there that that could be picked and and Schlitz Park was on my short yeah, list. Yeah, same. Same. Because of the race atmosphere, because of how the community gets around it and I'll never forget the picture of uh, Williams being hoisted up on everyone's shoulders after winning it. Oh, I know where you're Harlem. going. Harlem, you know, a lot of people like to think it's, a, they blame it for being a sketchy race, but in my opinion, race courses don't make races sketchy, racers do. And that course and that community, that is one of the most awesome venues and races I have ever experienced in my life. And I will go do it 
every year from here on out because it is it is astounding and very, in my opinion, underappreciated. We've got our 10 now. There's tons of honorable mentions that need to go in there. Sonny King, Winston-Salem, Westchester, Snake Alley, Manhattan Beach, GP, you know, Boise. There's a lot of really great races out there. But we do need to talk for a hot second before we hit the bell before we hit the bell lap here. What's an undercard race? What's a new race that we need to look at, think about, focus on for up and coming into this crit central category? It didn't happen last year. So I don't know if this qualifies. Uh, it didn't happen because of cross. Um, they they wanted to focus on cross nats uh so they they forewin it last year um i hope it comes back but uh and it's not a one day race it's actually 3 days but natural state crit weekend uh when they were part of usa crits 2 years ago and honestly one of the greatest criterium weekends uh i've i've ever experienced i will i will 100% say that that is one of those underappreciated events that I hope comes back because the entire community got around it. It was exciting. It was fun. The courses were amazing. The community was amazing. And and they, they were just great races. So I'm going in a different direction. It was the first year event last year, Northeast Pennsylvania. Not a part of the country that you consider typically going to for vacation or for fun. But I went up there. I had never been to the city of Scranton before. Oh, I know where you're going with this and agree. Scranton Electric City, first year event, 10 corners. They rolled out the red carpet. Scranton is a diehard cool place. I really enjoyed the race. I enjoyed the environment. I am really angry that you beat me that day. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that was a bad showing on my part, but it is such a it's a race that has nothing but potential. I almost want to rescind my race and go with Electric City because you know that's a race put on for racers, right? It's it's an entertainment race, but it's a race for racers. Gabe Lloyd and his wife put that race on. Gabe is a crit racer at heart. And, you know, when I I took my current girlfriend, we had been dating for two weeks. And I said, you want to do a three-day weekend in Scranton, Pennsylvania with me and watch me bike race? And she was like, uh, okay. She had a blast. And She loved it, and she can't wait to race it again. But, you know, to the 10 turns, it was one of those where racing it, I thought, oh, great, 10 turns. I'm going to get shell. It was a grid start, which I recommend you. Oh, I'm I'm really – we should talk about the grid start at some point in time, but not not right now because we got so much to go. But I will say that that course for being 10 turns over 1.5K, I think it was, was the most flowing – fun course of the year last year hands down and i for i i will admit i forgot about it i'm sorry gabe the only reason i'm gonna say i beat you is because i can turn better than you but you know that's neither here nor there uh, somebody stiffed it going into turn <laughs> like x 
and I got shuffled to the back, but neither here nor there. So we'll take a quick break and then we're going to go into the Bell Lab. Sounds good. There is an incredible virtual event currently ongoing that you really need to be a part of, Tough 20. This, of course, was supposed to be the inaugural edition of Mammoth Tough, a gravel event being put on by the Wide Angle Podium's very own Amanda Nauman and David Sheik. It was going to be out in California this fall in the Long Valley Caldera, a rugged terrain formed 760,000 years ago by volcanic eruptions in the area. In fact, Tough T-U-F-F, is the term for those very volcanic rocks. Well, the crew out there aren't going to let 2020 get them down. They've audibled and created an amazing choose-your-own-adventure-style virtual event with tons of ways to participate and some legit prizes, too. Personally, I'm going for the most mileage competition because I know Tim Hayes from the Slow Ride podcast has the most elevation competition on lockdown with those Florida hills that he rides in. But also, I'm not overlooking the takeout titan category or the raffle itself. So head on over to mammothtough.com and click on the link for the Tough 20 Challenge to learn more. Then go to bikereg.com to register for the event. 10% of all proceeds go to support Mammoth Lakes Recreation a nonprofit that works to keep the area beautiful and accessible for all. Today's show is brought to you by Wattbike, the creators of the Atom, an indoor training bike that has revolutionized how top athletes in the world train to be their best. The Atom is the result of 20 years of development focused on getting the best out of the rider while giving the rider the most realistic feeling possible through innovative technology and its work. Officially endorsed by British Cycling and chosen by the UCI for the use in its centers, it has been used by riders at both the Olympics and the World Championships. And now you can bring this tool home to your biker. Just think, no more lugging your dirty outdoor bike inside, removing wheels, or spending unnecessary time adjusting shifting. Now you can have a dedicated indoor setup capable of connecting to the leading racing and training apps, including Zoom. So head on over to wattbike.com slash US. That's W-A-T-T-B-I-K-E, all one word, dot com slash US. Or click on the link in the show notes to find out more. And now, the bell lap. The awesome part about 2020, if there is an awesome part, I don't really know if we can continue the rest of that sentence with a straight face. But the awesome part with 2020 is that we can make up our own result. We can decide how the season should have ended. And we've got some pretty big events that would have happened in 2020 that we can call the winners our own. And we need to do that here because somebody's got to take home these jerseys. I mean, they were already printed anyways. So we're going to name names. So we're going to start with Criterium Nationals. We've got three names that we need to name here. The the women's Criterium Champion, the men's Pro, and then the men's Amateur. 
there are discussions that should maybe need to be had about the fact that there are two men's categories here. But where do you want to start here? Let's uh, let's start with, with I, the easy one because it's not two categories, not because the racing is any easier. Because in my opinion, uh, the women's racing is the more exciting criterium racing. Um, but let's start with the cri- women's criterium nationals. Who do you think? 2020 walks away with the Stars and Stripes jersey. I feel like this is the uh, low-hanging fruit answer, but and I know she doesn't race a lot of crits anymore, but she's got like 54 national championships now, and she is, in my opinion, currently the most dominant bike racer in U.S. cycling. Corinne Rivera is going to take it. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. She got close last year. There was a lot of talk. She was by herself in that event last year. And it's hard to win a criterium when you're racing Han Solo. Oh, I I agree. And, you know, I think what really caught her off guard last year is that the entire field watched her. I mean, she was the, the one to watch, right? She was who everyone responded to. As a result, I think... She might have raced last year a little too aggressive for the win, but I think because of that, this year she would have recalibrated her tactics to to regain that national championship this year. So I was having trouble with this one because there were two people who I thought were really up for the challenge here. I'm going with the Rainbow Unicorn. If you don't know who the Rainbow Unicorn was, she's a guest of this show, And I didn't end up calling the episode Rainbow Unicorn because I chickened out. So Rainbow Jersey, Rainbow, the unicorn, because she is an insane talent that's come out of basically nowhere. I'm giving it to Lily Williams from Raleigh. You know what? I can't knock you for that at all. Lily was a very close second for me. Agree. Lily came out of nowhere. She actually came out of Project Echelon, guest riding with us, and then and then now racing with the dominant women's squad, Rally Cycling. Uh, and and I agree with you. I think Lily would have been a huge contender for the the jersey, and she is only getting better as she continues to race and gain experience. Let's talk the men's amateur field. Now, I think that the men's amateur field and the men's pro field total misnomers. Because these athletes are equal across the board. This gets into a whole philosophical problem with amateur versus pro and why people are considered pros and not amateurs on the paperwork side of it. But 100% agree with you. Let's be honest. Anyone in the top 10 at elite amateur crit nationals is most likely not an actual amateur. They race for a living and beat UCI professionals on a regular basis. So 2019 saw Justin Williams winning the second of his Stars and Stripes jerseys in Hagerstown, followed by Shane Klein and Tom Gibbons of Automatic Racing. Who do you think takes home the Stars and Stripes? So this was hard for me, and it was hard because I think Williams had a fire lit under him based off how they did last year, and if you follow his Instagram stories and their team kind of being rejected by USA Cycling a little bit. Uh, They are, Legion, hands down, is one of the best teams in the country, without a doubt. Uh, And I know the entire squad set out to 
come down crashing on several teams' dreams this year, not only in crits, but in stage races too. Uh, so I know I know they wanted to come out and and show people what's up. However, I think who had a bigger fire lit under them was Tom Gibbons. I think Tom would have come, you know, he he's raced in Europe for longer than I've been racing a bike. Uh, he, he is famously, uh, known for racing in the black under armor Jersey at the beginning of the USA crit season. Cause their kits weren't ready. But I think, I think Tom had something to prove this year. He wanted that Jersey last year, didn't get it. And I think he wanted it more, but also, and this kind of gets into our next category here. I think Tom takes it and still is salty because I think Legion races pro crit nats this year, and therefore he doesn't have a chance to to beat the Williams brothers at their own game. Oh, that's a good one. I 100% agree with you about Tom. All right. He's walking away with it. The guy's focused. 100% focused. He's gonna go, he was going to go down to Clay County, Florida, walk away with the whole darn thing. Let's talk pro crit nationals. I'm going to go first here just because, I don't know, uh, it's arbitrary and capricious. I'm giving it to Elevate KHS and Eric Young. Okay. I know he came in second place last year behind Travis McCabe and in front of Miguel Bryan, but I think Eric and that entire Elevate team had it in them to win the whole thing. You know, I, I want to agree with you, but... And this is gonna, I think, ruffle some feathers. I think the pros have no, the the UCI pros have no business racing a crit nationals. I think they're good crit racers at heart. I think they started with crits because that's what all Americans do. But I think Legion comes in as a true crit team and cleans up. I think Legion comes into UCI or to USA Cycling pro crit nats and wins the whole thing which legion rider because they're justin williams okay with Corey leading him out there you go i'd like to see those pictures i think it would be amazing phenomenal and i think uh i think that was their goal this year to be completely honest i know they haven't publicized that that's just me spreading rumors that's what the show is all about i think they had something to prove this year and Something to prove was they deserve to be there with the professional teams because they are professionals and they were going to go to professional crit nats with the goal of winning it and winning road nats as well. Ooh, that's a bold one. Speaking of bold, we've left the best for last. We are unabashed. We are biased. USA crits... The idea of a legitimate professional league of criterium racing teams across the country has me so very excited. I know they've been building to where they are now for, for a decade plus, but we need to talk about who would have won the team overall and also the men's and women's overall. The lap leader is super hard to call. So I'm not going to try to go down that path. And I keep forgetting who is 25 and not. So we're going to skip that one right now. But for now, let's start with the women. Because in USA Crits, the women race first. We're going to pick the podium. So top three places. This is not a wide angle. 
So go with the top three places. Frank, you are the guest here in the courtyard. You can start first. Who do you think gets third, second, and first in the women's overall competition? So, for the women's overall podium for USA Crits, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and I really think the podium is going third place, Emma Bast, Levine Law Group. Emma's a beast on a bike, one of the most diligent, talented bike racers I know, and I... I think she has a long way to go in bike racing. I think she's really hitting her stride now. And I think she is only going up from here, but I'm going with third place for her. I think second place is Olivia Ray of Butcher Box. She's a monster on the bike. And if you follow her on Instagram, I'm pretty sure she can bench press two of me and squat five of me and embarrass me in the gym uh and in with crits temp you know usually finishing in sprints i think she would be dominant there and then first place i am going with wolfpack's summer moke uh she's new up and coming and last year was winning a lot and i think this year would be winning even more Olivia Ray is phenomenal. She deadlifts 280 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's going to be a guest on the show, so I'm really super excited to get here and, and pose the question to her, Do did she think she would have walked away with second? For me, <clears throat> now dialing back here, I think third place goes to Tina Pick from Cola Vita. That's a good pick. She had a rough start to the season last year. Uh, breaking a collarbone preseason. She got slow going. And, you know, at 54 years old, she is still crushing it with the 22-year-old Olivia Reyes. And you can't stop that when she gets going. I'm going to agree with you, just changing places. Emma Bass from Levine Law Group gets second. I think the only thing that holds Emma back from winning is the team of the rider who's going to take the top step on the podium. I got the the opportunity to spend a, a week with them in California. They are a dialed group of professional bike racing women. And that's the Butcher Box cycling team. And I think Olivia is great, and she's definitely the wild card. But I'm going with tried and true old faithful Harriet Owen. That's a that's a good pick, and I will say, you know, I was tossing it back and forth between Harriet and Olivia, and the only reason I didn't pick Harriet was I thought she would be the uh, she would she would be the lead out person for Olivia, right? She is the mentor developing the mentee, and therefore, you know, I think would be the lead out person for Olivia. While we're on the subject of the women, let's talk team. Overall team winner for the USA Crit Series. Who do you think, just the just the winner, who's taking it home? Because last year, it was Cola Vita over Hoggins Berman. I, I don't know if anyone's really paid attention because of COVID, but they have really assembled a monster squad for this year. Not saying they didn't have one prior, but this one is just truly amazing. But 
to uh, couple with their individual overall, I'm going with Wolfpack. That is not a sleeper. I would say if we put that on roller derby as a prop, that would go 3-1, 4-1 probably. Oh, I, I'm thinking 2-1. Oh. I'm, if not like 4-7. <laughs> would you put internet points on that? No, I don't. I If if you want some insight into how I am sitting currently third place overall on roller derby is I go for only the underdogs. I go for the long shot bets. Mine is not going to be a shock in any way, shape, or form, but they didn't exist last year uh, in the same form that they exist this year. It's the women from ButcherBox. And I'm going to tell you why, and she's going to hate the fact that I name her by name here, but she needs to get the notoriety that she deserves. Whitney Allison. That team has six professional bike racers on it. Each of them knows their job, Each of them knows how to execute, and they are led by Whitney. I would like to see how it played out, to be honest. I think ButcherBox put together, out of the blue, a monster squad for their women's team this year. And I think when they were announcing it, everyone's jaws hit the floor. I really think they would have, you would have seen fireworks coming from that squad. Let's talk men. Let's wrap the show up here the way that Justin and Corey Williams wrap everything up with fireworks. So the men's podium for the 2020 season, individual. Go first. Tell me third, second, and first. It's tough, but he's put in the work. I think he would have really surprised. He surprised some people last year, and I think he would have pushed that a little further this year. But... Third place goes to ButcherBox's Alex McLaughlin. I heard a rumor that he was getting into MMA. I, you know, ha- have you seen that dude? Oh yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, if there's anyone, if I was in a bar fight post crit, and there's anyone I would want on my side and not against my side, it's Alex. He has a truly inspiring story, and I'm really hoping to share it. Yeah, he he does, and he's honestly another one of those really just genuinely good people that I'm honored to know. So who's in second place? So I'm going to flip it, um, and I think second place this year goes to Justin Williams. I think their big focus would have been nationals this year and really making a name for themselves uh, on the PRT circuit and really moving into that professional rank. I've heard a rumor that they're going professional next year, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I, would, I wouldn't expect less. Um, they deserve to be there. And then first overall goes to our elite amateur national champion, Tom Gibbons. I mean, the guy is just a monster, and he's, he's, he is a crit racer's crit racer. For me, I'm going to side away from the classic choices here. I think, for second and for third. In third place, I'm going with Cliff Bar, Zach Allison. He's been on the podium before. He has a phenomenal team with a great director who's been shepherding them from season to season with the appropriate amount of support. I think that Zach is going to keep it going. And I've never heard second place's name, last name pronounced. So I am going to butcher the living heck out of it. But I've always heard him just referred to as Owen from Team Cliff Bar. 
their U25 champ from last year, I think that Owen is only getting better. And I think that he's going to continue that that train all the way up to the top. And I think in 2020, 2021, 2022, we're going to be looking at him as possible overall, maybe even an amateur national champion. But I can't disagree with you. Tom Gibbons, Hilda's dad, taking it home with the win. And, you know, with the team that he's assembled this year, gonna he's going to blow some people up. So we end where the season would end, Westchester. What is the team on the men's side that takes it home for 2020? I want to say there's no argument here, but I think it comes down to two teams. I think they have a fire under them as a team, and they have something to prove if you follow any of their Instagram stories. But ButcherBox takes the team overall. They they are out there for the purpose of winning, and winning is what they are going to do. And I think I think you've got a valid argument there. I think ButcherBox is out there 100% for the team championship goal. I think they come up short. I think they come up short because I think they pissed off the wrong group of people, and that's Team Cliff Bar. And I'm going to get, you know, we're going to get flack because we don't pick Legion in there. I just don't see Legion dedicating themselves to the full season. Agreed, and that's why I, I don't I don't see them taking the individual overall as well. I just they I th- and being Criterium Nation, I feel like I will uh, be um, cast aside for saying this, but I think they have bigger dreams and bigger goals. So Team Cliff Bar takes it home. They were my second place, by the way. It was Cliff Bar versus Butcher Box, I think, is is how it goes. And and I honestly think it's a toss-up between the two. Yeah, I just think that, you know, listening to Cullen and Dino and Steven Ramirez talk about Salt Lake City from 2019 and the disaster that that was versus how they came back in Westchester and they put up a lot of numbers, I don't think Cliff Bar is going to forget that. And I think that they're going to dedicate and redouble themselves and they would walk away with the 2020 championship. How did we do, Frank? You think we did good? Yeah, I think we did. I think we did good. I think it's a um I think it's a feasible outcome. Well, we'll find out what Twitter thinks about that when we post this up there. Thanks so much. I can't wait for uh Tom Gibbons to uh shoot me a text saying thank you. Oh, he's already in your DMs. I know he is. <laughs> and for Trevieso to uh, shoot me a message with a WTF in there. There you go. Thanks so much for, for joining us, Frank. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I can't wait for the next one. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Criterium Nation a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. Today's show was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly, and was co-hosted by Frank Cundiff. Please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Criterium Nation. And your home for the best in crit racing is CriteriumNation.com. Join us next time for more from our Criterium Nation. Thank you.
Dear Cycling Friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, the Grodio Podcast.